Coming soon to SJP World Media. Believe it, Nigel! No one can! following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, with him? you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sy. And joining me, as always, is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing, sir? 
I'm really excited today, Si, because we've got a lot of uh, good show. We've got a good show to cover, haven't we? Yeah, I enjoyed this nitro, mate. I enjoyed this nitro. I mean, we'll get into more about that as we sort of go through the show and uh, give our ratings at the end, I guess. But how you been, Bird? You good? Yeah, all good, mate. Uh, just dealing with the hot weather as usual here. Just, I think we've got another heat wave coming, haven't we? Uh, yeah. See, I'd, I'd rather that than it be freezing cold, you know? I'm the opposite with that. I'd rather the cold. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> My family tend to feel the cold worse than me. So when it is like you get a real cold snap. I noticed the gas meter in my house is just eating money. So I'd rather it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I will make everyone aware before we get into uh, this week's Monday Nitro. Hay fever has been kicking my ass today. So if I'm a bit coffee, a bit spluttery, a bit sneezy, a bit sniffly, I apologize in advance. But there's not a great deal I can do about it. So stuck with it, I'm afraid, bud. That's cool, mate. We're, we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, this episode of Monday Nitro, as we sort of carry on our journey into the start of 1996, uh, comes from Ohio, and it was first broadcast on the 29th of January, 1996. Uh, the TV ratings on that Monday night were a 2.4 for Monday Night Raw, but a win for Nitro with a 2.8. So back and forth, back and forth still in the ratings, but both shows tending to have even-ish numbers or at least the numbers are even split across them so it seems like we're still getting roughly the same amount of people watching wrestling on a monday night at this point in 1996 just where those sort of uh, channel hoppers kind of end up settling down tends to differ slightly week to week i think danny it does yeah they're both um they're just going uh, channel flipping isn't it yes yes definitely uh we start the show as we always do, it seems, with our commentary team of Bobby Heenan, Mongo McMichael, and Eric Bischoff. And Bischoff gives us a little rundown of the card, as he tends to do. And it's an absolutely stellar-looking card. It's a pay-per-view quality card again, isn't it? We're told yeah. we have Flair versus Hogan. We have Savage versus the Giant for the WCW title. The Road Warriors debut, Bischoff puts forward it as being. And we also apparently are going to see Sensational Sherry, or Sister Sherry, as she is known here, versus Medusa, which amazes me, considering it was only Tuesday, uh, so six days ago, on their last broadcast on Clash of the Champions. They kind of set this feud up, Danny. Yeah, they did. I mean, I think these were the only two uh, working uh, women in end of W at this point, weren't they? I mean, the other... Ha- once had come from Japan. That's right. Yes, that's right. And they do, uh, we'll, we'll see it soon. We'll come to it soon. So I don't want to go into too many details, but they do uh, put together a women's division on the request of Medusa. She That's one of the big aspects for her signing with WCW was the fact that they sort of gave her proper competition and you know a, a proper women's division. And a tournament to crown the WCW women's champion takes place with imports shall we say from japan and elsewhere so yeah it is, it's going to be quite interesting when we get to that uh, and we see how wcw build a women's division effectively from scratch because we've seen no sign of that ourselves the only the only ladies title we've seen since the first episode of nitro is the wwf one yeah they're certainly taking their time aren't they i mean we said it a couple of weeks ago um medusa showed up and then just went radio silent until um yeah, last Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. And then she 
I mean, just to recap for everyone who who may not have watched Clash of the Champions back with us or who has not listened to last week's episode covering Clash of the Champions. I mean, first of all, if you haven't, what's wrong with you? Go back and do that straight away. But mainly, Medusa, as, as Danny explained, she debuted, then disappeared. And now, apparently, she's linked with Colonel Robert Parker and she's been hooking up with Robert Parker whilst Sherry was going to be marrying Parker. I mean, to me, it's a bit of an odd use of someone like Medusa who has so much heat coming into the company. Yeah, it really is. But, I mean, hopefully things will improve. Yeah, hopefully so, mate. Hopefully so. Our opening contest, then, is... Well, it's it's, it's a, a match that has closed several pay-per-views for WCW. It's the match that was when Hogan first arrived in the company. It was billed as the biggest match they could put on. And in you know, in a lot of circles, people say that this should have been the main event of WrestleMania eight. Opening Nitro this week, we have Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. I mean, does it get much bigger than that, Danny? Absolutely not. I mean, at this point, um Hulk Hogan by this crowd he was cheered, but usually he was getting booed and things like that. And Ric Flair I don't want to say he's in his prime, but he's de- he's not past it, in my opinion, at this point. But yeah, you can't get bigger than this. This is big time uh, main event. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, with regards to, I suppose, Hogan Watch, we could call it, couldn't we? Uh, because we sort of review the crowd reactions to him pretty much on a weekly basis, it seems. Flair, Flair comes out to a relatively positive response. There's booze, because obviously Flair is supposed to be the bad guy here. But there's also cheers for Flair, because under there it's Ric Flair. We're getting to a point in his career where people don't want to boo him anymore, regardless of what he does. So I'm thinking, okay, Hogan is going to get some grief here. They're not going to be positive to Hogan, because there's been some positivity to Flair. Because that's what we've seen in the past, isn't it? However, when Hogan comes out, the reaction for him is, is, is I, would, I would say, 90% positive. Yeah, it was a big one. I mean, I think um, Ohio is a WWF town, if I'm not mistaken, and it would show by Hulk Hogan making his entrance and getting cheered. Yeah, lots of yellow foam fingers and kids wearing the huge oversized Hogan t-shirts and so on that probably cost cost them you know, a month's rent for their parents to get and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, Hogan, was- so Hogan is joined by a group of ladies, one of them being women. The other one being Miss Elizabeth, who is back in the company, or back in wrestling at least. Um, I, I think this, I mean, we've seen a few Flair versus Hogan matches in our watch back here. I think this is probably the best one we've seen. Yeah, I was thinking as I was watching it, I was thinking um, it's just about evenly matched to their um, 1994 um match at um, Bachelor Beach I think it was um yeah, that's right, this yeah. was this was really cool um there was a lot of stalling from Ric Flair early on wasn't there well yeah very early on there was but then when the action kicked off I think Flair here this is an advert to me how how Ric Flair ticks the boxes of being one of the greatest to ever do it he knows his role to a T, doesn't he? He knows Hogan is the star. Hogan is the bigger guy. Hogan is the more powerful guy. Flair is the heel. So Flair is bumping all over the place and making Hogan look like this monster. I was similar to the eighties, a monster babyface. Flair's working incredibly hard. You know, he's, he's bumping, he's selling, he's he's getting back up on his feet to take the next bump straight away, and it's all happening relatively quickly early on and he's, he's bouncing over the ropes going on the outside and Hogan looks incredible and the crowd are fully into it. 
but it's all because of how well Ric Flair does to enable that to happen, I think, Danny. Yeah, um, you can give all the credit to Ric Flair at this point because, um, yeah, it's like he's the one doing the work. You can definitely see that. But um, Hulk Hogan is like, he's don't want to just say he's just shown up to work, but I'm actually shocked that this was the opener, but um, I'm glad we saw it. Yeah, yeah, and me. I mean, ultimately, we get a, a few more moments in the match where, I mean, Hogan gets distracted at one stage by, I think, by the referee himself because there's there's something going on to make the referee move Hogan away. Flair hits a chop block on the back of Hogan's knee when he's distracted. So really good old-fashioned heel shit there from Ric Flair. That's yeah, great stuff. It, it is great stuff. But there's one thing I wanted to point out was we actually saw a back crank from Hulk Hogan again, and it's been uh, a couple of weeks since we've seen that. <laughs> I know yeah. you hate that side. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 a stable move for Hogan, isn't it? It's part of his part of his arsenal. We see him use it against Savage at WrestleMania Five. Uh, even before that, we saw him against Piper around eighty four, eighty five, using tactics like this. So it's just part and parcel of who Hogan is and how he works, I guess. Which is odd because he was so popular back then. Him breaking the rules pretty much on a on a match by match basis. It, it just it just sits odd with me, but it worked. Obviously, the guy made an incredible amount of money for the for the business for the company and for himself. So obviously it, it worked, you know? It did, yeah. And I've always wondered, why hasn't WWE's top babyface ever gone that route ever again? I mean, you had Stone Cold. He was kind of worked like a heel, but not as much as Hulk Hogan or John Cena even. He he never really worked as a heel. No, I mean, I think with, with Austin, it's always difficult for me comparing Austin and that time with other times in wrestling. I mean, if you look before the Attitude Era, you had the golden time, didn't you? The golden era of Hogan, headlining WrestleManias and all that sort of stuff. The the number one guy in the wrestling business in the 80s being Hogan, it's a completely different product to what we were looking at with Austin and the Attitude Era in the 90s and so on. So Austin cheating, Austin using a chair, Austin swearing and drinking beer and all this sort of stuff in the 80s would have probably been heel tactics. But because Austin was so popular and, and the wrestling fan was a slightly different individual to when it was in the 80s, it kind of worked. Well, it didn't kind of work. It, it did work. It was incredible, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I don't know if Austin's character would have worked in the 80s when everyone was still very much had that kind of... I don't want to say they believed in it. I don't want to say it was all kayfabe because people knew how it worked. But there was a little bit more... I suppose attachment to the, the good guy, bad guy divide and somebody like an Austin who kind of crossed over that a little bit might not have got the popularity that he got in the nineties. Cena, you mentioned, I think John Cena, whether it was a McMahon push or whether it was Cena himself or a combination of them all, I'm not sure, but Cena always played the superhero character, didn't he? Whether people liked him or people disliked him, whatever. It was always the superhero style character, always on the right the right side, always on the side of good. And you never saw Superman be a bastard, did you? Apart from when you had no. evil, super, evil Superman in that one movie, but that's a different kettle of fish. But on the whole, you never had Superman be, be a bastard. So I don't think you're going to get John Cena be a bastard. It's just, I think, different eras, I think, kind of just, just, the, way, just the way time develops, I suppose. Yeah, that makes perfect sense as well. Thank you for uh, going through that, sir. Oh, yeah, no worries. I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> we have, 
after the chop block and Flair working on Hogan's knee and leg and so on, the match cuts away for an advert for the WCW magazine. Did you ever see any copies of WCW magazine, Danny, or or have you ever come across any? Or uh, and also, what did you think of this advert? The first thing I noticed about this advert, I think this is um, the third time we've seen it now, but uh, I'm not sure if I brought this up on a previous show. Do you know who that kid was? No. That's Garrett Bischoff. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Yeah, future TNA uh, Hall of Famer, I guess you can say. <laughs> but wow. um, yeah, that, that was Gar- Garrett Bischoff uh, turning into Sting. I had no idea. Why? Look at that. See, this is why I call you the encyclopedia, mate. That's you bring stuff to the to the table that I I would never have known that if you hadn't told me. That's amazing. No, this, that's... this ad is this ad's quite cheesy, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's, it's felt outdated. The bright colours and everything like that. But that's not the first um, uh, advert that Garrett Bischoff or the last advert that he'd be involved in. That's how I recognised him. But um, yeah, I never saw I never saw any copies of the WW magazine. Did you, sir? Yeah, but it was really restricted as to where it was. I mean, basically, you had when I was growing up, you had a couple of different magazines that you could buy wrestling wise. You had Superstars of Wrestling, which is the one that I would get, and that was uh, the main guy there was a fella called Finn Martin, who eventually Superstars of Wrestling became Power Slam Magazine, and he now works for I think Inside the Ropes and stuff like that. And, and he's a he's a great bloke. He's, he's a lovely fella. I, I, you know, spoken to him once or twice, exchanged a few emails with him and all that. He's, he's, he's a top fella. And the superstars of wrestling was really my first peek behind the curtain on how things worked when I was a kid. And then you had the official magazines, I guess. So you had the WWF official magazine. And a bit later on, you had the raw magazine as well, but that's a little bit after my time. And then you had WCW magazine. Now the, the WWF magazine and even the likes of superstars of wrestling going into power slam and stuff like that. I could get that in the off license over the road from my mum's house, you know, but WCW magazine, you'd have to go to Smith's or you'd, I, I think, I think occasionally my dad would see it in Asda and bring it home for me. And he wouldn't know what he was picking up. He, he'd have no idea that he was picking up WCW, WWF, whatever. He would just see a wrestling magazine and grab it and think, Oh, I'll get that for me, lad. You know, he didn't, he didn't know one company from the, from the next, but yeah, you have to go a little bit more out of the way to find the WCW magazine. That's, that's how I remember it. Anyway, I may, I may be wrong. And there may be people out there who are of my age, maybe a touch older or whatever, who might be able to shed more light on that on Twitter, you know, at Nitro underscore Nights, please. But that's how I kind of remember it. But I did have a few copies of WCW magazine. Yeah, I remember one had Sting on the front and they had bright orange tights on at the time. And there was an interview. I think there was an interview with Rick Rude in it. So this would probably be going back to 92, 91, maybe something like that. Well, that would be worth a bomb now, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I had, I had stacks. I, I had every issue of Power Slam magazine. I had a, a lot of superstars of wrestling before that as well. Uh, but you know, the, the way life is sometimes, you know, things get lost when you move house, especially when your ex is a bitch. So there we go. <laughs> but that's that's a story for another day, mate. That's a story for another day. Um, Flair carries on working the leg when we return from the advert, and it just seems that this match has. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're trying to get more in because they've not got a 25-minute pay-per-view time slot or whatever. I don't know. But at this point, this match just seems faster than your normal Flair Hogan match, doesn't it? It does. It seemed a bit sped up. Um, That's a good point about uh, they knew they wasn't allowed 25-plus minutes. So this was like a ratings grab, it felt like, as well. 
um, especially as we come to the finish. Um, that is very, very old school to me. Um, what What did you think of the finish, I? Yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, the, the moment just before the finish as well was very old school. It was very typical 80s Hogan because we get the F4, Hogan eventually escapes it and then starts to hulk up and we get the big boot and the leg drop. And that's kind of what Hogan made his name on, isn't it? This is like, you know, the same way people describe Cena as having the five moves of doom to finish off his matches. That, that's kind of what Hulk Hogan was, was all about. But then he goes for the leg drop. Then Arn Anderson arrives. Hogan gets distracted from making a pinfall and goes and attacks Arn. Uh, Liz shows up as well. Elizabeth gets involved somehow. But, you know, talk us through what happens after that, Danny. So Liz, uh, I think she was there uh, just before, just after Hulk Hogan came out. And then um, Arn Anderson grabs her, takes off her shoe, passes it to Ric Flair. And then Ric Flair just, just, um, it's kind of like he smashes Hulk Hogan in the eye with like the tip of it and then gets the one, two, three. And I was absolutely blown away by that finish because that is very old school taking a woman's shoe. You never see that today. Never. So I cannot remember the last time I saw that. The whole, the whole baby face looks like they're going to win. And then Arn Anderson turns up a weapon is used and Flair sneaks a victory. That's incredibly old school for horsemen. That's like the stuff they would do to Luger. That's the stuff they would do to Sting. The stuff they would do to Dusty. That's the kind of thing that the horsemen were built upon. So I got a real big kick out of this. But yeah, it was it was like her high heel, wasn't it? He drilled it into the face of of Hogan, and there's a bit of blood there, and so on. Yeah, that, that, I was very impressed with that Hulk Hogan blading as well because um, mm. he has a tendency to just not look weak, as we've seen, especially the last four weeks. Um, he does not want to look weak. And for him to blade on the opening of a Nitro, very, very impressive. I have to give him his props. Yeah, and I think you hit something. Uh, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head with something you said earlier on that I was, I was going to comment on, but we got, got kind of distracted. A ratings grabber. And I think I think you're spot on because I, I think that if you're flicking between the two channels and the start of Nitro is Hogan versus Flair, I don't think as a wrestling fan, especially as you're kind of looking at the same amount of people watching wrestling at the moment every Monday, that we know in years to come the numbers fly up because there's a huge amount of interest, you know, the NWO, Austin, and all that sort of bring new eyes in. But at the moment, the numbers are roughly the same or very similar. So you're trying to grab those few that flick between the two stations. And if you turn over, oh, what's on Raw? Okay, well, let's check what's on Nitro before going back. Oh, hang on. Flair Hogan in the opener. You're going to hang around, aren't you? So I think you're spot on there with the, with the idea of it being a ratings grabber right off the bat, Danny. Yeah, and I think we should uh, monitor that going forward, see what they put on first um, for the next couple of uh, weeks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Something to keep an eye on, 100%. Um. This is followed by the debut, as Eric Bischoff explains it, of the Road Warriors. Now, it's a little bit of a grey area with regards to debut because they've been talking about Animal. Hawk has been on Nitro beforehand. They've also wrestled for WCW before this, but when it was the, the TV program was called WCW and it was Jim Cogger Promotions. And so, so yeah, I suppose, I suppose on Nitro, it is their Nitro debut. Uh, and they're facing the faces of fear. So Meng and the Barbarian, which again is a very old school tag team combination, isn't it? And during this time, we get an advert for Super Brawl quite early on. 
and they're talking about double cage action. Like Super Bowl, uh, you know, obviously we know it comes up in February. I've lost track of my dates a little bit with what we're watching. This is this is the end of January, so of course Super Bowl is right around the corner. But I didn't realize that that, that didn't dawn up, dawn upon me until they mentioned this on the advert, and I realized again, okay, double cage action. But we're two weeks away from the pay per view. What is going to happen? What's on the card? Now, at this point, when you see the advert for Super Bowl, do you know any of the matches, Danny? No, not at all. Um, when they said the double cage, I, I immediately thought War Games. That's where my mind went to as well, yes. Because they're not selling it as two cage matches on the show. They're selling it as double cage action, which would tell you that it is a War Games type double cage effort, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I, I think we're being mis- misled there, my friend. <laughs> I think so. I think we've been promised something that we may not get. No, not by uh, not by dodgy Eric. Surely not. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing I took away from the Road Warriors debut, I mean, first of all, we know the Legion of Doom are going to win this match. There's no way they're not. But the biggest thing I took away was we had just the sheer power of the Road Warriors on display. Animal with his power slams, his big clotheslines, his shoulder blocks, Hawk the same big clotheslines, you know, jumping off the top rope and you know flattening people, and then we have the famous Hawk no sell pile driver effort. Now we criticise Hogan all the time for this kind of shit. What did you think seeing Hawk do this? I didn't like it. Um, I mean, it, it probably fits his character more because they are supposed to be powerhouses, but. Overall, this match I wasn't really a fan of, but that no sell spot, yeah, I'm not not too good with it. No, nor am I. Nor am I. I mean, it, it can be done in a certain way. I see it sometimes in Japan where somebody no sells a huge move, jumps up, hits their opponent a few times, but then they sell it a little bit, and then they realise they're a bit stunned. So there's, I suppose there are ways of doing it. But I mean, in the in the eighties, when Hawk used to do things like this, the place would erupt. The the, the roof would come off the building when Hawk would no sell, especially a pile driver. He, he no sold pile drivers relatively often. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan at all, really, regardless of who's doing it. To be fair, but there we go. This match, pretty scrappy in places, Danny. It was. Um, I expected when they said the Road Warriors were going to um, debut, I expected two, them to face two jabronis rather than two, I wouldn't call um, Meng and the Barbarian a jabroni team. This was kind of like more of a challenge for the LOD or slash Road Warriors. But um, to me, it went a little bit long because I, I just thought they were going to face um, a team equivalent to, um, do you remember the Malky twins or the Malky brothers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was going to be like a jobber team versus LOD to get their um, gimmick over of them just destroying people, but they didn't run through Barbarian and Meng here. It was kind of like an even until um, LOD got the win. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's a catch-22 for me because if if Hawk and Animal come out and they're facing just two enhancement talents, say, and they smash through them in 90 seconds, okay, it's like, why? That's amazing. Rogue Warriors are going to destroy everybody, etc., etc. But with all due respect to people who who have wrestled as enhancement talents on different shows, they're beating nobody. So do they really build up that much steam? So by beating the Barbarian and Meng, they've beaten you know recognizable names. However, if they come out and they roll over the Barbarian and Meng in ninety seconds, that then hurts the Barbarian and Meng. I think. 
So yeah. they've got to they've got to get a bit of offense in, I suppose. So it's kind of a catch twenty two, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like you're you're stuck if you do that, or you're stuck if you do that. That's a good point as well, sir. Mm. Yeah, you're right. You're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, I suppose. Um, ultimately, the, the, we win without the Doomsday device, which surprised me. I thought first match in the company, debut on Nitro, bound to win with their finish, but it doesn't happen. Hawk wins with a top rope clothesline, but it's not the Doomsday device. So, But they, they still pick up the win. And then we're greeted with Kevin Sullivan and Hugh Morris, and they are with Mean Gene Oakland doing a little interview effort there. And then Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson come out. And it ends up in just a lot of mess, doesn't it? <laughs> I liked this uh, because um, it was like, uh, it it was more storytelling, uh, like the the uh, rift between um, the Four Horsemen and mm. um, the Dungeon of Doom. It was kind of, it was like it was adding more to that. And it was a, a, a lot of um, chaos in this. Yeah. And sometimes... <sighs> I mean, we're going to see it shortly anyway. We, we can sort of touch upon it again in a moment. But sometimes when you see this kind of brawling chaos, sometimes it's literally too messy for us to take anything away from it. The camera, especially in WCW, the camera tends to miss certain things because a lot of things are going on and the production levels here aren't up to scratch, really, I think. So you miss you might miss important moments in a brawl that are supposed to help advance the story. It ends up just looking like a bit of a mess, lots of moving parts, bit of chaos, which is fine, but you don't gain much more from that. But then other times when you have like a, a brawl or you know, sort of this chaotic melee, I suppose things happen and, and it's, it's, it's almost like an organized form of the chaos and it helps advance storylines. This here to me is absolute chaos. It's bedlam. There's people flying in the ring, coming out the ring. Sullivan is wandering around being, being, well, being Sullivan. Uh, Gene is getting out of Dodge as quick as he can. He wants no more part of this. Arn's belt comes off to whip people with, and but it's chaotic, but it made sense at the same time. I think it advanced what we what we're trying to get at here with regards to the uh, I suppose the, the the combination of the Dungeon of Doom and the Horsemen working together, being on dodgy ground, and then Pillman being part of the Horsemen itself being on dodgy ground as well. Does, does that make sense? It does, and it's it's proving forward um, Brian Pillman's um, loose cannon loose cannon gimmick, and it's kind of like he jumped out of the. I thought the best part of this was when he was hiding. Um, outside of the ring, and Kevin Sullivan came out and started kicking the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a really interesting touch as well because he's the, he's the guy who's, who's he's the loose cannon, Pillman. He he's crazy. He's the one in the past who has always been let's go and fight now. And Arn has been like, no, we're going to go away and think about this. You know, we plan things out. We don't just act on emotion. We put thought into what we're going to do, and that's why the Horsemen are so good at what they do. But then when it kicks off, it's Pillman hiding and doesn't want to be involved. And at one moment, it looks like he's actually leaving Arn to get his ass kicked whilst he hides. So again, it just adds that little extra twist in, in the story, doesn't it? It does. And uh, when Arn Anderson's fired up, what a promo when he made the challenge. I really enjoyed that. He was just like, I'm not asking for it. I'm demanding it. And it was really, really cool to see Arn Anderson um, cut that promo. Yes, well, tell us about the challenge, Danny. Where are we heading with that? Yep, we're getting um, 
Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman are uh, going to face the Hugh Morris and um, Kevin Sullivan in a tag match. Yes, and I think that that's scheduled for next week's Nitro, isn't it? Yeah, next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, when when I wrote this down, I, I thought it was that night as well. It was tonight, but no, it's next week. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's such an interesting dynamic there, isn't it? And Pillman is the wild card in all of this. What's going to happen with him? Is is and I suppose Hugh Morris is the odd card in this because he's kind of come to this storyline relatively late. But at the same time, I'm not too bothered who is tagging with Kevin Sullivan in this scenario. This is to me is all about Arn Pillman and Sullivan and where we're heading uh, with all of those three. But but can um, Arn Anderson trust Brian Pillman, sir? Well, this is it. This is it. And I suppose on the other side of the coin, you know, Arn Anderson is a horseman. Can Pillman trust him? We shall see. We shall indeed, my friend. Uh, up next, we have Sister Sherry facing Medusa. Now, I've got a few issues with this. We start off, basically, Sherry is talking to Gene, don't we? And Medusa enters the ring by way of a surprise attack, which obviously the crowd are going to react to, and they're going to react in a positive way to somebody doing that normally. Sherry ends up winning. I mean, there's not masses to go into with the match, but Sherry ends up winning roughly in like a minute and a half, something like that. And there's a bit of a mess afterwards and so on as well. My biggest takeaway from all this is, though, Sherry is being made to look like the bad guy here. Because naturally, Sherry it works better as a heel. She had a little bit of a babyface run with the Shawn Michaels stuff in 92, around WrestleMania 8 time when Jeanette came back and, and so on. Doesn't quite work for me, Sherry, as a babyface. She was great with a Million Dollar Man, great with Savage. I mean, she's been great with Harlem Heat. Sherry is a star, but she's always a star as a, as a, as a bad guy as a heel here she's being made to look like the heel again which suits her of course it does but doesn't that kind of go against the story that we're getting it does yeah and um this is what i was going to mention uh well i'll mention it a bit later on but this i could put down to timing issues especially this in the main event because we were promised this match but this was felt like more of an angle to me than a match um i mean you put it perfectly saying a minute and a half that's not much time for a promoted match, is it? I suppose I suppose the way this happens, it, it's been advertised. We, we have what happened at the Clash, so straight away we've got the start of the feud. And I'm thinking, where are we going to go with this then? This is interesting. We then get this on Nitro. And again, it, it, there's nothing conclusive. Okay, Sherry wins, but it's not conclusive. There's there's you know a lot of a lot of nonsense around it and so on. And obviously Sherry is still looking like the heel Medusa's Medusa's getting cheers because she's the comeback individual and all that sort of stuff. So in a way, we've been promised this match for TV. They've delivered it, but at the same time, they've not delivered it to a point where we're done with it. It makes me want to see more. So as frustrating as it can be, not always getting the clean finish on television, it does kind of hook you in and make you want to see more which is, to me, the job a good promoter should be doing. Yeah, that's fair as well. And I liked that um, Medusa did get her heat back after. Even though she lost the match, she did attack um, Sherry after. So, mm. like you said, it keeps it going. Yeah, but it's just, it's an odd... I mean, Medusa is a heel. I don't ever remember her being a bad guy. 
So she's getting cheers here because that's what people are used to. And the way it's, the story's being told is that way as well. But Sherry is the one who's been cheated on. Sherry is the, uh, I suppose, the victim in this scenario. So she's got the sympathy vote. So why are we cheering for Medusa when she's the one who's done the dirty? It does make sense to me. No, I, I understand that as well. It's kind of like, it's just like, if you just swap them round, it would make a lot more sense. Mm. Yeah, totally, totally. We come to our main event then, and it's for the WCW World title. It's Randy Savage defending his championship against the Giant. But we, we don't really get a match. We get a DQ finish after 20-odd seconds, I think it is. And it's just a bit of a mess. Everyone runs in, everyone's scrapping away, everyone's fighting. Uh, and that's kind of how the show goes off air, Danny, isn't it? Unless I've missed anything important there. No, you didn't miss anything important because um, although one thing I will say, uh, it was a few weeks ago, you said the only match they could put together that would be interesting is Macho Man and the Giant. One mm. of the only matches they could put together. And them putting it on this card made no sense, but um, I'm glad they kept it short. It was more, like you said, more of an angle, but I hope we do get to see this match in full at some point because these two could work well with each other. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Savage, I always find, works well with a bigger guy. His matches with the Warrior, his matches with Hogan. I think Savage, I mean, Savage is not a small fellow. Don't get me wrong. He's a big old lump himself, but he's smaller than Hogan and he's smaller than the Warrior. And those matches really worked well. Diamond Dallas Page, we'll see in the upcoming weeks and months and, and years as we as we go through all of WCW. Page is a bigger guy than Savage. Their matches worked. So this could have been very, very good. And the fact that, I was sort of fantasy booking in my head. What have they got left as a real main event? You know, a real main event that we've not seen before or a main event that would appeal if it was done again. Both of them involve the giant and Savage versus the giant is one of them. Hogan, the giant, I think there's still legs in. I think we could still get Hogan versus the giant for the world title and people would still be interested. However, Savage versus the giant is feels fresh. And I'm glad in a way that we got this kind of schmozzy nonsense finish to it because we can go again with that now. Yeah, I can see that. And um, it was just another case of like chaos ending Nitro, chairs everywhere, DQs everywhere, ref bumps and things like that. And one thing I did like was, uh, as I was watching, I was thinking, wow, when's, when's Macho Man coming out? Because we've got less than four minutes left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then when he snuck out un- uh, from the crowd or uh, under the ring, wherever he came from, that was pretty cool as well. It was a nice little surprise. Yeah, did he do that before? I think he did it before an episode of Nitro, didn't he? A while back, I can't remember who. It sounds familiar. Yeah, Yeah. it's a it's it's a good thing to do. It's it's a little change of pace. It's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Even though I love my four entrances, as you know, sir, but I'd still like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Okay, so that one, like we said, that's kind of the end of the con. What end of the contest? End of the show? uh, End of Nitro for that week? So. I mean, we'll get to our ratings in a moment as to where we place this show on our hit, miss or middling scale. But before we do, we need to look at good points and bad points, pros and cons, our woos and our brothers, my friend. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. First or second, Danny? I'll go second this week, sir. 
Okie doke. Uh, I will start with my O brother because I like to finish on something positive. My O brother is the Sherry and Medusa stuff just making no sense from a storyline standpoint for me. I can see the motivation for them having a match, but the way the story is being told doesn't make sense. It's like you said, if you swapped the roles over, that would make a lot more sense. And where was Robert Parker? It, mate, honestly. If you've ever been in a scenario where two women are fighting over you, you don't want to be there either. Trust me. You're, the best place you can be is well out of dodge. Okay? So I, I'm on Parker's side there. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> What's your old brother, my friend? Definitely has to be the timing issues, um, that, or the supposed timing issues, because um, we didn't get... Uh, the last two matches felt rushed. I mean, the Hulk Hogan-Rick Flair match was 21 minutes. And I f- felt like maybe that went a bit too long. And I, I thought that um, the LOD versus uh, Barbarian and Meng match went a bit lo- too long for me. So I think timing issues this week, so si. Yeah, that's fair enough, mate. I think Hogan Flair, I mean, I'm going to get to that in a moment, but I think Hogan Flair, the, the length of that match, the timing of that match, how that match was structured, and also we had a couple of ad breaks in there as well. I, I think that wasn't an issue for me. But I completely agree with regards to the Road Warriors match. It didn't need to be that long. Let them come in, smash the shit out of someone and leave. That's all you really need, isn't it? Yeah, it just get the job done. Yeah. Uh, my woo this week is going to stun people uh, to the point where I think I might need to see if my medication needs something. But my woo this week involves Hulk Hogan. I don't think I've ever done this. But my woo, mark down the date, Danny. (laughs) My woo is the opener, the Flair versus Hogan match. I've seen Flair Hogan wrestle over and over and over again. And even in our our run here on Nitro Nights, we've seen Flair Hogan wrestle on numerous occasions. But this was superb. Not too complicated. It's not going to win any Dave Meltzer 67 stars, you know, wanky candle praised, you know, trophy or anything. But for what it was, a good guy versus a heel two guys working a very old school, simple style. It shows you don't need 27 backflips and all these fancy moves to, to tell a great story. And these are two guys, I mean, Flair's performance, especially these are two guys who told a bloody great story. And I am invested fully in where we go next, which is, you know, testament to how great Flair was and credit where it's due, how good Hogan did, because I was not interested in Hulk Hogan this time last week. No, that's brilliant. So I don't really see your point with that. What is your woo, my friend? It has to be Arn Anderson's uh, fire-up promo when uh, yeah. they came back from commercial. That was uh, brilliant. I mean, with this uh, show might as well be an Arn Anderson praising show because um, each <laughs> week I just he just he's brilliant at everything he does, and that promo, he's best when he's fired up. I think. Yeah, he, he is so good. Uh, everything the guy does in the ring is fantastic. But then everything the guy does with a microphone is fantastic. Then he walk the way he just walks through the curtain, you you believe this guy is a pro wrestler. There's nothing fake about Arn Anderson, is there? Absolutely not. Even to his uh, facials, people always talk about William Regal's facials, and they're great as well. But mm. Arn Anderson is definitely up there with him. He's the real deal, mate. He's the real deal. Perhaps that's a T-shirt. You know, that we could knock out, we love you, Aaron, with like four fingers behind it or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll, think, I'll have a little look what I can do. I'll have a little look what I can do. On the note of that, by the way, make sure you look in the 
uh, episode description on whatever podcast player it is you use and also on our social medias at nitro underscore nights for the link to all the sjp world media merchandise including nitro nights t-shirts mugs hoodies uh, long sleeve baseball tops stickers there's all sorts there loads of different designs go and check them out uh hit miss or middling my friend um i'm gonna go with middle this time sir Okay. Um, there, there was a few, uh, enough to keep me entertained, but uh, just a few things that I was just like, no, I'm not going to go back and watch this show. But yeah, how about yourself, mate? Yeah, I got middle as well, but I've got kind of quite a high end middle. It wouldn't have took much for this to be tipped over into a hit for me. The end, the the two final, I suppose I'm going to use this term loosely, but the two final matches that we had, uh, Sherry and Medusa, and then the world title match. They were both just a big mess, and that's kind of what marked it down. But at the same time, these are things that are going to advance future shows, I think. So it's not the worst thing in the world. But yeah, a sort of top-end middle, I think, I think, bud. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. All right, so there we go. That's another episode of Monday Nitro in the bank. Next week, we are going to the next episode of Monday Nitro, the February 5th, 1996 episode of Nitro, which is the go-home show for Super Brawl. So we're going to hopefully have some interesting things to discuss on there. And we will do, as we normally do, I will ask Danny to run through the Super Brawl card and see if WCW have actually told us anything. Um, Danny, before we go, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online and all the other shows you're involved in, bud? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo, and you can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast, and you can hear me here next week where I'll be with the great Sai Pal. The great Cyberbatia. You make me cringe, man. You make me embarrassed. You know, you make me blush with your praise. <laughs> but go and follow Danny, definitely, at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter. Uh, and there's also more stuff in the works coming very soon from our good friend Danny via the SJP World Media Network. And on the note of the SJP World Media Network, go and chuck it a follow. There's a group on Facebook, and there's also the Twitter handle there as well, at SJP World Media, where you will find Nitro Nights and the whole of the Nitro Nights back catalogue. So if you want to go back to episode one, the very first episode of Nitro, and listen back and catch up and follow along with us, please do so. It's got its own channel or its own stream or however you want to word it there, as does every show that is part of the SJP World Media Network. But also on the mainstream, new episodes of every show go up on there. So if you like Nitro Nights, go on the mainstream, chuck in the corner and listen. Listen to Benny Mac talking modern-day WWE. Chuck re, uh, regularly scheduled hostilities a listen. Our three friends in the States also discussing modern wrestling, but with a different take. We also have chain wrestling on there. Um, check in at Power Palace. Episode 1 has just come out, so go and check that out as well. Uh, all so Just loads of great shows on SJP World Media. I want everyone to dive on in there, check it all out. Let me know what you like, let me know what you dislike, and hopefully we can try and cater more for your tastes uh that is at sjp world media you can also find me on twitter at sjp words but most importantly you can find this show on facebook and twitter at nitro underscore nights at nitro underscore nights danny it's been a blast i'm looking forward to next week and i'm actually kind of optimistic at the moment going into super brawl yeah same here we shall see where we go i mean one show left until the big pay-per-view yeah, I wonder if we're going to uh, be left disappointed. We will see, my friend. We will see. Danny, I'll speak to you next week, bud. Take care, mate. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>